And we welcome you back to another podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible with Russ and Gavin coming back to you today. And uh, Lister, if you've been following along, you know we're in Jeremiah chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13 of that uh, of that chapter today. And uh, we thank you for joining with us. We encourage you to go back a few episodes. And uh, it was episode 281 where we began looking at Jeremiah chapter 5. And uh, we continue that today. Uh, Gavin, I'm going to open us with prayer and then invite you to read verses 12 and 13. All right. All right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love and grace, uh, which we certainly do not deserve. We fall short of your glory every day. Uh, but Lord, you display your wonderful mercy toward us, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, Father, we just give you all the praise and glory uh, and honor, Father, for you are God and there is no other. There's none like you. Lord, and as we open your word, the perfect, inspired, eternal word that you have provided for us to be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path, I pray, Lord, that you would just lead and guide in this discussion, that it would be encouraging for each other, for the listener, but also edifying, Lord, as we come to a a greater understanding of the depths of your love and your grace and mercy. And Lord, we just ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I know what you asked me to do, and, and I, I just am going to read 10 and 11, too, because it, it, we need it to lead into... Sure. Uh, okay. So, um, Jeremiah 5.10, go up through her vine rows and destroy, but make not a full end. Strip away her branches, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have been utterly treacherous to me, declares the Lord. They have spoken falsely of the Lord and have said, he will do nothing. No disaster will come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. The prophets will become wind. The word is not in them. Thus shall it be done to them. Hmm. That sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? Where people deny God or deny that, you know, not only deny that there is a God, but that he will do anything. Yeah, I, I think this is what we were talking about earlier, that there is a, you know, there are universals that are found in here. And and I think this is the condition of mankind. If there's one thing you and I have been hitting on a lot lately, it's going back to the garden and saying the two kind of things that jump out with the subtle temptation of the devil is, did God really say, right. and you will be like God. When you start thinking you know good and evil, when you start, you know, the the prophets are going to get accused in Jeremiah of prophesying their own hearts. They're not prophesying the words of God. They become God. They're speaking their words. And then it's kind of an appeal to authority, you know, uh, which is which is a logical fallacy when you, all the doctors say this, or so you say, this is what I believe, and then attribute that to God. And we see this all the time today. God told me that it was okay to, you know, be angry with my brother. God said it was okay. You know, so we prophesy our own hearts, what we want. Have you seen the ministry, uh, minister of defense, uh, uh, the documentary on Reggie White? No. So at the very end of it, and there's some really questionable things that I would love to be able to sit down one day and talk to Reggie White, and I believe he is saved, and one day we'll see him in heaven. And you know, if if I'm not consumed by the glory of God and sitting around his throne and worshiping him forever, maybe Reggie White and I can go off to a corner and we can talk about some of the things that he, you know, that are attributed to him in this movie. But one of the things towards the end of the the documentary about Reggie White was that. He used to talk about, God told me to go to Green Bay. God told me to do this. God told me to do that. And at the very end, he said, I think I was kind of putting my desire first and then saying, God told me. 
Yeah. So, so again, in Jeremiah, we don't have to speculate. It's not Reggie White, we, we, the the defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles and Green Bay Packers. We don't have to speculate on the thoughts of these prophets. They prophesied their own hearts and then attributed it to God and led people astray. So as we go back, we're trying to get some universals out of this. And one is, well, don't listen to false prophets would be a universal that we could take from this account. The other the other one is, so did God really say? That's one of the, and, and they want to be like God. So let's go to 11. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have been utterly treacherous to me declares the Lord. They've forsaken him. They've gone the way of idols, false prophets, following bad teachings. They've rejected God. They followed their heart. Oh. Which is wicked and deceptive. Amen. Amen. All right. They have spoken falsely of the Lord. Is there a universal that you can take from that? Well, only that because of the wicked, deceptive nature of our hearts, we are children, by nature children of wrath. Mm-hmm. So when we follow our hearts, it will never lead us to the cross. Okay, so <clears throat> I, was, I love listening to all sorts of input. I don't want to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Um, I don't want to believe something just because it sounds intellectual and believable, but I, but I do love listening to... Um, disparate views, uh, differing views about about issues and topics. And I was listening to um, uh, so, some men and their podcast, and th- you know they they were basically well they were they were absolutely universalist, meaning that everybody saved, uh, and they, and they were um, saying a, a lot of things about how uh, sort of a little, and they wouldn't say quite this, but nothing is wrong, right? Hmm. They were so, preaching peace. Well, they were pre- preaching peace. They, absolutely, they were saying, you know, God, God is fine with you and loves everybody in, in in a general way. And they're as opposed to the Bible, which really narrows that down into specific ways of loving everybody, and then then even more specific ways of loving His children, um, and then being uh, angry or ha- uh, having aberration, um, but 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 abhorring certain things. So, uh, but in this in this text right here, they have spoken falsely of the Lord. I think it is so important, if you're listening, pause. There is a way to speak correctly of God. There is a way to speak truth about God. And there is a way to speak falsely of God. They are not the same. And it's not just, hey, whatever you, you know, did God really say? And you're God, so whatever you think about God is fine. Express yourself uniquely. God wants to know how you think about him. And by the way, he, he kind of, in, in, in the way they were wording, he almost kind of becomes what you think he is. Right. And one of them was a process theologian. God is in the process of becoming, which is, in my opinion, strongly heresy. Well, the God they've created looks a lot like them. Amen. Well, that's usually what an idol does. It looks right. a lot like you. But I, I think this text is is really helpful there. There is a way to speak falsely of God. There are many ways, I would say. Amen. We, we don't craft God in our own image. We don't craft God at all. God is. I am that I am is meaningful. God exists, and he exists as he is. And one of my favorite sayings, and I, you know, sometimes you say God said, I really do feel God laid this on my heart, and that heart is wicked and deceitful, and maybe he didn't. You know, I mean, I, I know all those things are true, but one day it just hit me, the God who is is always better than the God I can create. 
the God who is, is always better than the God I create. The God of the scripture, no matter, you know, in the hard text, the easy text, the things I don't understand, the things I'd rather not be, the things that sometimes seem, you know, uh, you know, like, I don't know that I could preach that the God who is, as he has expressed himself is always better than the one I create. Now, my big fight is to, is to not preach myself or see myself into that very God right. is to, is to be an exegete rather than an eisegete or a narsegete. Right. So an exegete is someone that pulls out the meaning of the text. An eisegete is someone that reads themselves into the meaning of the text. And the, the narsegete is the text is always about them. A narcissist, right? Narcissistic, uh, reader of scripture. So right. the narsegete. All right. Anything else? No, and I by think- the way, that, that, um, Kakosh right there, and I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but the Kakosh there, uh, in the in the KJV, it says they have belied the Lord. The Kakosh there, which um, the ESV translates as falsely, is a primitive root word that means to be untrue. They have untrued the Lord. Yeah. They have spoken falsely of the Lord. They have belied the Lord. And it's interesting, um, they've deceived themselves and in the process deceived others that um, neither will evil come upon us in the in the King James or New King James version. There, well, well, let's get to the specifics in a second. But I love how you said, you know, Paul warns about that. There are those that deceive, are being deceived and deceive, right? Yep. yep. And that that's the constant problem. You have that wicked and deceitful heart. A man who trusts in his own mind or heart is a fool. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. We have a heart and our mind that constantly plays tricks on us and lies to us. How do you avoid that? How do you avoid that? That's that Hebrews 4.12, that word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. If you hop down to the very end of that, it says, um, and is a discerner, that verse, four, Hebrews 4.12b, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In order to avoid falsehood, in order you need to anchor yourself to the way, the truth, Christ Himself. You need to anchor yourself to the living Word of God and let it dwell in you richly. Yeah. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to renew your mind according to God's Word. That's a high calling for saturating yourself with Scripture, Bible memorization, using different tools, and you know. All right. Placing yourself in the streams of grace. Amen. Amen. Good call. All right, so they have spoken falsely, and how uh, of the Lord? Uh, what do you notice about the Lord there? Tetragram. There you go. Yep, it's Yahweh, and no one would ever pronounce that right. No uh, Jewish person would pronounce that. We don't know exactly how you pronounce that, but we believe it's the the four letters: the Yud Hey Vav Hey, uh, the Yahweh um, Tetragrammaton. That that is only ever used in Scripture of God, the one true and living God. All right. So the uh, falsely of the Lord and have said, now this is the specific falsehood that they're spreading. It is not he. In other words, it is not God. Okay. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Or in the ESV, it says he will do nothing. Okay. So in the literal version, it, it well, and in the KJV, the it is, is, uh, is italicized, which means that there's no commensurate word in, in the, uh, in the text. The Hebrew text, there's no commensurate word there. So it says, it, it, literally, it literally says, not he, right? So not he, um, but in the ESV, they've expanded that a little to he will do nothing. And then th- this is the the more, the, the deeper explanation, the, the more expanded explanation. So not he in the, in the, what we, what we read as the original text, not he, but then goes on to say what? 
neither will evil come upon us. So in, in the ESV, no disaster will come, will come upon us, nor shall we see sword or famine. Who cares? Who cares that they say that? I mean, the one thing, I, I, I've said this before, I, I love hearing people that disagree with me sort of whispering in my ear. Or one of the other things I do in my overactive imagination is I imagine the congregation, um, the, the, the church where I have been placed, uh, I'm the shepherd that God has placed me amongst this flock, right? And I, and I just imagine someone coming up and speaking and saying, you know, there are some people out there that will tell you that, that you stand before God condemned or that there is nothing good that dwells in you. And I just want to tell you today that God loves you and he would never do anything you know, to harm you. There is no evil that will ever befall you. No weapon formed against man shall prosper. So you're, you're kind of bringing in some Bible verses, you're bringing in half-truths and total lies. And you're So what? Give people hope. Give people, you know, why should you sit there and speak fear and trembling? Why do you, as Paul says, we warn everyone and teach everyone that we may present everyone blameless in Christ. Why are you warning people? You know who else does that? Specifically, I can think of a few. Yeah, yeah. Satan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he did that. At the garden. It, yeah, he did that at the garden. He also did that with Jesus in the temptation. You know, he quoted scripture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a better theologian than you or I. Yeah. He knows when he's being deceptive and using eyes of Jesus, which is what he did with Jesus. Okay, Genesis 3-4. I'm glad you brought that up, Satan. I was thinking of more specifically of pastors and stuff, which I'm glad. I don't, we don't need to go down that road right now. No, Who speak he, peace, peace, but there is no peace, he, right? He said to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil. There is no truth in him. He's a liar and a father of lies. Okay, so so Adam and Eve warned the devil of the, the, the threat that God gave them, right? So the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of, of the fruit of the trees uh, of, in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the trees that is in the midst, the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. And there's a whole bunch of commentary on did God say exactly that? Did she misquote him? That's not even the point. The point for this is verse four. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Yeah. Absolutely contrary to what God said. Yeah. But it's okay. There, there's there's yeah. nothing. Peace. Peace. Yeah. And so as I listen to these other pastors, these people that you know, the congregation may listen to that said, listen, why in the world would your pastor tell you that there is a hell? Why in the world would your pastor tell you to flee from the wrath to come? Why in the world would your pastor tell you that there is, there is that the wages of sin is death? Why is he not more encouraging? Yeah. I, you know, Isn't the world that what we should leave church encouraged by this feel-good message? I think you should leave church greatly encouraged that you have a God that offers a way of escape, that he gave you Christ Jesus. You know, so you're nodding your head, and we all agree. But, but you have to be warned. There is bad news that precedes the good news. Wait a minute. I thought that passage said that the, he won't give us more than we can handle. Yeah, 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 no, not at all. He provides you a way of escape. He gives you what he gives you the the pathway of escaping. Absolutely, and his name is Jesus. Yes, yeah, love it, love it, love it. So, um, so to speak falsely of God, which is possible, we establish that, is to tell the people nothing's going to happen. And the idea that no, it, l let me give you the two practical ways that this works its, itself out. One practical way is we have a beautifully godly woman in our congregation, older. And she used to go into the, the hills of Pikeville, Kentucky, 
uh, so the hills would be the hollers, the hollers of Pikeville, Kentucky. And she used to go up to houses that were clearly meth houses. And some of them had moonshine distilleries out back and stuff like that. You don't go up to those houses. You can get shot and killed, right? And she said that, and and with no, hey, God laid it on my heart or anything like that. With no, but just hey, if God led me to it, He will see me through it. And there's no, there's no way I'll die. There's no way I'll, I'll die. So practically speaking, that's bad theology. You know, that sounds very similar to some of the comments that I heard during COVID. I'm washed in the blood. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean you won't die. Right. Well, keep in mind, 10 out of the 12 died martyrs. Right. They were killed. And God calls us to follow him in that. So you very well may die for your faith. And as long as you know that, go up to that house. Right. Go up to that house. But just know that that Paul says God will see me safely through everything. In in uh, second, second Timothy 4, he says God will see me safe and bring me, uh, uh, God, uh, what is that? And it will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Wait, God is going to see you safely into death? Yeah. No one's going to take away your faith. He's going to preserve you right through death. Some of you are going to die, but not one hair of your head will be harmed. I mean, you're going to die, but you're spiritually going to be full and robust and, and you know, no one will harm you in that way. You will be healed. You will be healed. Absolutely. But, but it is false to look at somebody and say, no, you're never going to see any famine or pestilence. In fact, the Israelites will see famine and pestilence. They will be attacked. And God sending Judah is going to be destroyed and they're going to be going to exile. So it is wrong to tell. So that's one practical is that in this life, you will have tribulation. Take heart. Jesus has overcome this world. In this life, you may be physically killed. You may be physically harmed. If you are a Christian and you sell out for Jesus, all those desiring to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And according to Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you who are persecuted. For the, it, it, And when people say all sorts of mean things and utter false things about you, blessed are you if you do it in, in the name of Christ. For, on the account of Christ, right? Um, so, uh, but then the other one is, if anybody tells you spiritually, so that was physically, you'll never be harmed. That, that that's, that's a lie. You very well may be harmed. And, I, and one of my pet peeves, this is a total aside, is um, are people that look, and, and you, you hear a knock at the door, and, and I look at you, Russ, and say, the one thing I promise, Russ, is that you're, no one will hurt you. I guarantee, I promise you that, that no one will hurt you. I'm going, how in the world do we make those promises? Right. I mean, even, even a, a father to his family, that, you know, I, I understand the motivation behind it, but there's no way we guarantee someone's safety. The only one that can guarantee that he can calm the storms of the sea, still the, the wind and the waves, and, and he is a God over life and of death, the giver of, of all good things. That's God himself. He's the only one that can make those promises. So that's an aside. Back to the main point. One, physically we may face harm. that God alone knows. But also spiritually to look at somebody and say, oh, you're fine. Even somebody that I don't agree with their doctrine, like Charles Simeon said, he would never get in between somebody uh, th that was uh, burdened by the weight of their sin and you know them going, in this case, to the altar. I don't think they need to go to the altar. They could have done that in their chair. They could have done that in the car. Not in his time, but they could have done that. They, don't have, they didn't have cars in his. They could have, you could, yeah, <laughs> you could do that. In the, but, but you never interrupt somebody that's being convicted of sin. You never say, oh, don't worry about that. You should Some, be okay. Yeah. If someone comes to you broken, you don't go, oh, you're fine. You say, turn to the Lord Jesus and live. Have you ever accidentally done that? Yes. I have to. Yeah. I still feel bad about it. Yeah. 
oh, I've done all sorts of things that I'm so ashamed of in, in, in my younger days and, and, and even to this day. But one of the worst things I've ever done um, ever in my life, and I don't know if this is – you can edit this out. But no. somebody, was, somebody was working through, uh, through God. And I said, well, you have to admit there's something greater out there, even if it's just kind of, uh, you know, the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. That if all of humanity were added together, there's something greater out there than humanity. That's blasphemy. That's ungodly. That's unbiblical. So, uh, you know, to, to count God as something just kind of the collective of all things, life and, you know, all of creation, it, he is greater than that, but he's the summation of that. That's blasphemy. That's that's absolute disgusting. If, if so, if you're listening to this, I cringe to this day that I let somebody leave a place saying that you have to admit that there's something greater out there than just humanity. There's something greater out there than just creation, and then to to sum it up by saying that you know the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, that God is greater than just the collective of of humanity and 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 the universe. Yeah, I had somebody um, come to me that was going to unburden themselves, um, just confession and repentance. But it was somebody that I cared for and loved deeply, and I just refused to believe that they were guilty. And instead of listening to the words they were saying and having the appropriate amount of compassion and all that, I kind of, I didn't blow them off, but I blew off what they were saying and tried to, you know, basically what I ended up doing was placating them a little bit and, was, which was no help to them at all. And they left probably, well, I know they left mad at me because they were, they were trying to unburden themselves to me and I wouldn't listen. And, uh, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, so Bailey Smith talks about in his, in his sermon, the wheat and the tares that, you know, there, he said he would never do this again, but I think it was a choir director uh, or, or the leader of one of the praise bands that he had known for a long time. And he came forward one day and he, and Bailey Smith looked at him and said, no, no, not you. He's like, I've never placed my trust genuinely in Christ Jesus. No, you've been, I mean, you've been doing this for years. You've been, you know, I've, I've known you and, and you're a man of God. And he, no, I'm not. Wow. I mean, and, and Bailey Smith laments that. I mean, that's not a good thing. Right. Right. Um, and and by the way, the the idea that I that I brought up was the Aristotelian idea of gestalt, which is the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, and that's blasphemy. That so so again, I can't say that enough. But but never interrupt somebody and say that there's peace between them and God when you have no way of knowing that, and saying that nothing bad will happen to you because God is love, and God is love, and yet He's also righteous and holy, and it's not either or. It's the, the simplicity of God means that he is not made up of parts. He is all of these things and not and indivisible. Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, listener again, we thank you for joining us on this ride. I hope this has been helpful. Certainly, uh, deep things to think about and consider. I hope that you will open your Bible and continue to consider these things until the next podcast episode until then God bless.